Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. Today, I'm your host, knucklehead number two, Sean Campbell, coming to you live, not so live, from the Soccer Cave in the middle of West County, in the middle of Missouri. Joining me today is producer Mason. Mason, how are you doing today? Do you have an update on that injury report? Uh, I'm doing good, and I do. Um, So, some of you might have seen, um, Mike is still... Uh, incapacitated. He is in the hospital. Um, we are hoping to have him back soon, back in the driver's seat, so you can be rid of us idiots. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, feeling good in good spirits. We got some big wins to talk about. Oh yeah, plenty of games to talk about. Plenty. Of, we got a couple games to preview, and by that I mean we have exactly one game to preview. But we'll get to that later in the podcast. Mason, what do you got for us with City News today? Oh, I'm, you know, not much going on with uh with St. Louis City. Um just one little thing though. Uh yeah, we got the first MLS Next Pro game. <laughs> uh so yeah, um St. Louis City 2 takes on Rochester New York FC in the very first MLS Next Pro match at home on SLU campus and it <laughs> massive massive game unfortunately we weren't able to attend but uh i watched the i watched the live stream the broadcast actually looked really good and uh we had local hero taylor twelman in the announcer's booth <laughs> using hero with air quotes there of course <laughs> yeah using it loosely um but yeah it looked like a ton of fun um i saw a couple of friends on the broadcast uh ryan st louis stars who also got some really nice video of the goal in the march um malia uh the drum corps uh, a couple of uh slc punks uh so yeah that was nice um shame we couldn't be there but oh well uh sean how about you tell us about the score oh oh you mean the score so the score ended up being what two nil in the end of it but uh what's a little bit more important here is we officially have recorded not only the first win in mls next pro history check one more in the column for soccer capital being in st louis um we have the first goal scored in the league check another box under soccer capital being st louis and this uh this man that scored the goal his name is juan kuzane formerly some of you may know him as uh, formerly a member of stl fc although he was loaned to the u23 team for a while he then got picked up by SKC2, formerly Swope Park Rangers, and then played a few games for SKC, played a few games with the Toros, and now he's with STLCSC2. The man is a Carbondale native, and he grew up playing in the academy of Scott Gallagher. Sound familiar? I think it's a familiar storyline, starting in Gallagher and moving to City. Um, just a little bit about the man. He's all, He won the USL West Western Conference when he was with SKC2. He was the young player finalist in 2018, and he also won goal of the year in 2018. And at 23, this man looks to have a bright future. He's could easily make the bench for the first team and could see some very real minutes coming forward, going forward. Very happy to see him succeeding and doing very well. And I hope to see more from him coming soon. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's nice that, uh, yeah, that uh, the goal comes from someone who's, Almost a almost a St. Louis native, um, down in our neck of the woods, me and Mike. But um, 
Yeah, Carbondale is basically in the orbit of St. Louis, even if it's not technically in the metro area. Um, but a little bit about that goal, because that was off a um, off a City 2 set piece. The um, The Rochester goalie saves it, but spills it, and he's right there in the mixer, bangs it home. Great, great goal, fantastic finish, um, and puts us up 1-0. Oh yeah, it was it was absolutely. I did see that managed to see that highlight, and I have to say it was almost like it was meant to be the way that ball came out and a juicy rebound. It landed right at his foot, first time strike back in the net. Absolutely gorgeous goal, and then immediately runs right over to where the Luligans are, and just has a great celebration with the rest of his team and with the crowd. And it was it was a very wonderful moment to see for the city. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, Ryan St. Louis Stars, I mentioned, got a got a good video of the goal. Um, if you haven't seen it, look up St. Louis Stars, uh, stars with a Z on the end on Twitter. Watch that video. It's a great angle. And um, one thing that didn't come through on the broadcast was the noise. But in a lot of the videos that I saw from people in the crowd, really nice to see the uh, the drum corps, the show up, make noise folks, being loud, being raucous. Sounded like it was a ton of fun down there. It's not hard to be loud and proud when you're showing up at a fully sold out crowd downtown at SLU, though. Absolutely. Um, what else? We got a uh, yeah. So this one I want to talk about. Um, Vitor Diaz converts a penalty, puts City up two nil. This penalty was uh controversial. It was bogus. <laughs> there was no contact. But but hey, you'll take it when it happens, right? Absolutely. And um, yeah, no VAR in um, in MLS Next Pro. Uh, these stadiums aren't equipped um, aren't equipped for it. So, call on the field stands, and it's a penalty. I, yeah, I'm not gonna complain because it was for us, but that was a bogus penalty. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, and then uh, some other stuff. Yeah, uh, Ezra Armstrong. Uh, he got a yellow card for time wasting. I think around when the penalty was being set up. And then a couple of minutes later gets another yellow for a pretty nasty knee-to-knee contact going in for a tackle. So he gets sent off. And and City 2 is playing down to 10 men with 20 minutes left. But Rochester couldn't put anything together. Um, one of the running things that I saw throughout the game was starting off, it seemed like City's press wasn't working. Um, the defense was good. But they couldn't get much going out of the midfield. They, it, it always, it kept stalling out. There was no real forward pressure. It started to click around halfway through the first half. And then we got, uh, the goal from Juan Cousin. And then we come back from the half and the press is really working. We're really putting on a lot of pressure. Um, we get that penalty and then Ezra sent off. And it, we're still dominating chances. <laughs> like it, it, it almost seemed like it didn't phase him. So a really good showing on top of getting the win, getting the goal, everything else. And it seemed like everyone just having a great time. And you'll love to see it. You'll love to see a team, even if they're down a man, coming coming together, playing their style. And sometimes it's almost as if you you take even just one player off the pitch, everything kind of opens up. You have a little bit more space to run. Um, you don't have to worry as much about making the same run as somebody else because there's one less player to make that run. Um, 
but it's it's amazing to see that and it's very exciting to see that city 2 is putting together the the style of play that loots wants and then making it work even when they are up and and down at the same time that is very much a, a promising sight for sure and i can't wait to see that come out on the first team as well absolutely yeah it's um on top of everything else it's um it's nice to see pro soccer back in St. Louis. We haven't had it in a while uh, with uh, St. Louis FC going the uh, going under. And then um, what we've had, what we have had from from city has been, you know, academy preseason, all of this. We're really, truly back with pro soccer now. And it's it's real again. It's real. It's here, and I'm I'm ready to see it. And hopefully, I can make the next match because the next game is on April 10th again at Herman Stadium against the Tacoma Defiance. Any anything yep. else special about that one, Mason? <laughs> well, April 10th, happy birthday to me. So <laughs> hopefully, they can get me a W for my birthday present. And if Mason and Mike do happen to make the trip up and you see him, buy Mason a birthday beer. <laughs> Don't everyone do that, though. I would like to be conscience, conscious it, during the game. <laughs> it's okay, Mason. I can I can take some of them off your hands as long as I'm there. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. Buy Sean birthday beers for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I said. Quit putting words in my mouth. I said I'd help you finish them. So, what else do we got going on with City? Well, we got some Academy results. First things first, we got the U16s. They had one game. It was a 4-0 win over the Indiana Flyer Academy. That was on the 27th. That puts them first place in the U16 Mid-America Division in MLS Next over St. Louis Scott Gallagher, who was second. So, exciting stuff happening for the U16s. So how long um, until they how long until they rename that division just the St. Louis division? <laughs> uh it basically is one two punch there with uh with uh the with City Academy and then Scott Gallagher. Um exciting stuff happening with the U17s too, but not in a good way. Um on the 26th they had a 3-1 win over Austin and then the next day they play FC Dallas. And they had a fourteen nil loss. Wait, which wait, is wait! Did, did, did I hear that correctly? Fourteen. Did, did you say nil. fourteen? Okay, just doing some quick math in my head here. That's roughly a goal every six minutes of play. Is there yeah. is there no mercy rule at this level? <laughs> I like. I don't know. What? How? How? <laughs> That is so comical. That is just as bad as I cannot remember the other team, but I believe it was Madagascar was involved in a game where it ended up being like 21 to nothing because the other team literally just stood there and let them score on them in protest for something going on in their country. But it was absolutely ridiculous. It was a long time ago. I'll I'll find the I'll find the exact game and we can post it on the Twitter later. But uh that just how? How does that happen? Yeah, I know what you're... I, I don't know if I know exactly which game you're talking about, but, like, yeah, like, I've seen, like, scorelines that look like this from, like, yeah, like, the 70s, 80s, 90s, and pretty much every time a scoreline looks like this, it is the players take the pitch and then do not move in some sort of form of protest. 
Oh, I actually this as far as game. I can <laughs> this as far as I can tell was in the run of play and it's absolutely brutal. If you're interested, I actually found the game. It wasn't an international game. It was uh it was actually a club game, club level game in Madagascar. So I was right there. Um I don't think we'll ever see this scoreline again or anything even close. Um because in 2002 <laughs> In protest, one of the clubs protested and didn't play, and so the other team, AS Adima, scored 149 goals. <laughs> the next highest, the next highest beatdown is is in the Scottish Cup in 1885 at 36 to zero. Just to give you some scale there. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> a scoreline in the hundreds, that's not a scoreline, that's target practice. <laughs> Sorry to derail, but yes, <laughs> that that just 14 to 0 is is not a very... <sighs> There's questions there. Like, that has to raise questions regardless of what level it's at, regardless of who you're playing. That's 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 got to raise questions. And for me, the biggest question is, well, first off, what happened? And second off, how much of this is team turnover? Because a lot of those U17 guys are probably now at least benching it for City 2. Um, how, mo- how much of it was they were playing backups at U17 uh, because they did just play the previous day against Austin. And yeah. you had to drive however many hours because Texas is huge and you have to drive an hour, a couple of hours and you're still in Texas and not where you need to be. And so they, they just won a game. The next day they have to go into Dallas's Academy. We all know how great Dallas's Academy is. Like that's, this isn't a slight at them. They probably had to bench a lot of the starters and they tried their best, but it just didn't work out. And I think part of that comes down to team gelling. I think part of it comes down to guys that normally would be at U17 are no longer at U17. I don't know what happened because the MLS Next just does not want to put any sort of recap out other than Mm -hmm. just the scoreline. Yeah, uh, this is what I really wanted to get into because I'm not much interested in litigating the results specifically because there is no information about almost any of these games um uh, except for except for the scoreline we don't know what minutes these were scored in who scored them against who um the we've we've gotten some information when um the clubs put out like um like St. Louis City will sometimes put out a like a weekend recap for their academy games nothing for this weekend and um, FC Dallas didn't post anything. There weren't any, any any tweets about this game. No information that I could find other than the scoreline, which was 14-0. So um, what I do want to talk about is this absolute lack of information for anything regarding these games happening in MLS Next. It's an absolute dearth of information. Yeah, you want one could say the silence is deafening when it comes to these games because I mean, especially for for people like us that are getting in at this level of the game, you know, you're going to see you're going to want to see academy results, you're going to want to see who played, 
who got how many minutes, who got subbed in, who didn't. So you can start seeing trends of who's a regular starter, who is, you know, probably going to come up from effectively, the, you know, to make an analogy to other sports from the minors and make it to first team. You want to track progress. You want to be able to see who the big players are and who the big prospects are. And you can't see mm-hmm. any of that at all. We don't even get cards. We don't even know who, if anyone got a card in any of these games or if they even use cards in these games. So it's it's just very unsettling. And I understand it if maybe it's a little bit of a legal reasoning behind it because they are minors. But at some point, you have to be able to say something about the game other than just the final score. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully we see an improvement in this. Um, and I mean, one thing that I'm kind of wondering about is both because this is well, MLS next isn't really new, but this kind of like competition format is new. And then also, um, with MLS next pro starting, which is going to be the more formal proper quote unquote minor league. If that's where we're going to see like the prospect pipeline kind of stuff, um, like that's a full proper pro league. We're going to get stats, info, um, you know, minutes, cards, all of that for those players. I would like to see it for academy kids because like we we still want to track their progress and see how they're doing. But I don't know. I don't know. Oh no, I totally agree. I'd love to see it for for the kids down for the kids coming up and you know, see who's who's progressing through the ranks and you know, who's coming up and who's going to make it to next pro and then play there for a year and then and then jump to first team. I want to I want to be able to track that so I know, you know, put my fan mind at ease when I'm like, "Okay, but we're so we're so weak at this position. Who do we have coming up?" and then you can go down and look at all the levels. Or at least, you know, pro seventeen and sixteen and mm-hmm. and see who we have and how how much depth we have there. Um yeah. I mean I mean heck, even looking at high school soccer games, you can get at least a brief summary of it by going to the high school website and getting whatever article they wrote for their newspaper that never gets put in print and just gets put online now, but Still, you get some sort of a, at least, you know, a short write-up for the game and who scored. You get a name, you get a a minute, you get a number, you get a card, you get that written down. Like, I at least want that so I can see who's scoring, who's not, and who's making big plays. Otherwise, they're literally just names on a sheet that you could just draw out of a hat and then you're like, oh, I drew the wrong one. This This other name that someone else drew out ends up going onto the team. Yeah, um, I will say um, not necessarily to play devil's advocate, but just because um, I we're coming at this very much as people who want this information because we do this show. I think at least that's why I want this information is because we do this show. If I was just a fan of the club, I wouldn't care very much about this. Um, I don't really follow like minor league baseball I don't follow um, like the AHL, but I'm fans of the Cardinals. I'm a fan of the Blues. Um, And so I know like, you know, some of the names when they come up and down, but like players who have been good in the minors, but have not had like major league time. 
I don't know who they are, and I don't much care until they show up. So I I understand that there is not a lot of focus on these Academy kids, um, but it is frustrating when you do want that information and it's not available. Yeah, that's that's very much true. I, th- I think we're coming at it more from the uh, we need this information to be able to report on it. Um, but at the same time, I do try my best to keep track of prospects from the draft up up through hitting the the pro level, at least for hockey. Um, but it, I mean, that's just for the blues. I mean, heck, I keep track of players that are still in the NHL that we drafted that came through us and played for us for like the nine game standard and then moved on. Um, but, but no, I can definitely understand that point where, you know, the average fan isn't going to need to know about the U 16s or 17s. They're just going to maybe pay attention to next pro at best. Mm-hmm. But it is my mind works. If it's a team I'm really passionate about, I want to be able to get the information for I'm not saying give me all the information on every player ever, but you know, yeah. the big players in the game. Yeah, there because like the thing is is that like there is a a large subsection of fans who do want to know about prospects, about um about kids in the academy who might make it, stuff like that. There is definitely a a want for this information, but it's nowhere near as big a factor as people who care about just the first team or, uh, you know, the first team in city two. And that's it. They don't go any deeper than that, but it, it is frustrating when you want that information and it's not available. So what else do we have on city? Well, I don't know if you've seen much about this listener out there, but, uh, we have a new hire. His name's Sasha Bauer. Didn't see much about him, but he's, got accreditation as far as a coach and coaching coaches, which as far as we know about the team, Lutz loves hiring, you know, the team loves bringing in people in Lutz's system that'll coach coaches, which is not a bad thing. That's definitely a good thing. But uh, he's coming in and should be a part of this new City Futures program. City's future, City Futures program looks to be as uh, coming out of the gate as more of a uh, teaching kids as young as seven and eight and as old as 13 and 14 about the game teaching them how to play it seems like it's it's you know a nice little pathway to get them into the game and really educate them about not just playing said game but also how they can use the game and the the fundamentals you learn in being a player to apply them to their their lives as far as discipline and things like that go um, I think it's a wonderful outreach program. They want to have all kinds of satellite satellite campuses across the county. Um, they're going to have a north, south, east, west, and central zone in the region. And they will be where you go to have these practices and learn to play. Um, they are also, I believe, I could be wrong on this, but I believe they're doing as, uh, an informational seminar for coaches as well. So they can learn how to properly coach the game as opposed to just yelling at players and saying, do the thing. And then having the players be like, but I don't know what to do. You didn't tell me what thing I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Because it's more than just that and then blowing the whistle. (laughs) What? I said doing typical little league coach stuff. (laughs) 
Yeah, or, you know, going full Herb Brooks and just blowing a whistle and yelling again and hoping it works. <laughs> but yeah, this looks like a really great program, especially for the team um, getting out and making good on their their claim that they want to be a part of the greater community in the soccer capital and actually giving back to the kids and the youth in the area and not just being about making money on a pro sports team, which is refreshing to see, honestly. Yeah. Um, after spending a long time complaining about, um, about youth academies, <laughs> um, but that's from, that's from MLS really is what my complaints on that are from. That's not really about the club. Um, the club has done a lot to reach out to, um, to youth academies. And this is an extension of that, um, providing kids who are interested in learning how to play the game or play the game better free workshops to, to expand their skills. I only really see it as a good thing. Um, it, it, yeah, it gets them in the city pipeline, which you can see as good or bad. But to have those resources available, I think, is positive. Oh, definitely. It's it's nothing but a good thing because, as most St. Louisans know, you grow up, you play like you play two sports. It's soccer and baseball, and occasionally you'll play a third, and it'll be basketball. Or football if you're good at it. But usually you play either or both of soccer and baseball. And putting more more options out there for people to go out and actually kids to get out and learn the game. And I do like the fact that they're putting an emphasis on teaching principles in the game and how you can bring that into your life outside of said game. Um I think they could do a lot of good for um especially for some underserved areas in the in the community. So it's very, very good to see that coming from the club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because soccer's because soccer is one of those games like basketball where where all you really need is a little bit of public infrastructure and a ball and you can play. So it's, it's why basketball is so popular and it's why soccer could be if we get a little investment. This is some of that investment. Oh, yeah, definitely good to see. And uh, moving along a little bit, we've got one last mention. I don't know if anyone listening out here has a kiddo who's wanting to play club soccer for City, but uh, they have tryout registration for the U15s and U14s coming out, and you have to be registered by the end of the month. So March 31st is the deadline. April 1st is when you should hear back about whether or not they've been selected for a tryout. I don't know why they're calling them open tryouts if they're selecting from the people that are registering to try out, but that's neither here nor there. And then the tryouts are actually on, I believe, April 3rd. So get your registrations in, kids. Yeah. One correction on that, that is U15s and U16s, not U14s. That's my fault. Thanks for calling me out on that one. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to double check that. But yes, U15 and U16 open trials are open for registration. And the deadline for that is, like Sean said, March 31st at 12 p.m., so 12 noon. And I think unless you've got anything else, Mason, I think that's all we've got for City News this week, which I think we've got a fair amount on City News this week. Yeah, that is all I have got. Um, yeah, I... I'm glad that City's two playing. I'm glad that Pro Soccer's back, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. 
and I think we all are. Speaking of pro soccer, it's time for our our weekly segment, MLS Roundup. This week, yeah, <laughs> this is we the quick hits edition. <laughs> yet another quick hits edition, and as soon as St. Louis, as soon as City starts playing in earnest in 2023, this session, this this segment will be almost exclusively quick hits because we'll be talking mostly about the team and not the rest yeah. of the league. Although if there's big moments, we'll hit on those for sure. Yeah. But, but this, this is weekend, the real uh, true and proper quick hits. Cause we only got three games. <laughs> yeah. Only three games to hit this week. Um, let's start out with, I believe I heard someone call it the, the crown Derby. I don't know if I believe that, but you know, we're going to move past that because we got Charlotte versus FC Cincy. Charlotte came out and won 2-0 that, that game. And you have to wonder, was this game because Cincy's going back to their wooden spoon form, or is Charlotte for real? And I'm going to say it's more so Charlotte's for real, but I think Cincy is also going back towards their old form. Mostly because Swiderski yeah. absolutely made his made his claim to being a true striker in this league. He's been clinical so far. He's making the runs. He can go direct to go off of a set piece. Swiderski's got the crown. It's yours to knock off. Yeah. Um, that that's just <laughs> is how it is. Yeah. Is, is Charlotte for real? Is Cincy not for real? I don't know. What I do know is that Swiderski's for real. Absolutely. Um, yeah, a brace in this game. Um since he looked sloppy, since he looked like Cincy, um, but Swiderski was nasty. Oh, absolutely. He was on his game, clinical, and another another player who had had a standout game, I'd say, is Kalina, the goalie for, for Charlotte. He kept mm -hmm. he came in clutch, made a few big saves, kept the clean sheet. You always love to see that. So who knows? Maybe Charlotte just had a rough start because they finally, you know, it took them a little longer than everybody else to get their roster set. But we may have been wrong about them from the start. It's they, absolutely uh, likely. It, yeah. Um, you expect a an expansion team to take a take a bit to get their legs under them. Charlotte really seems to have their legs under them. Well, let's hope we can get the same legs under us, if not better. I don't want to be coming <laughs> out the gate looking like a newborn deer. <laughs> yeah absolutely alright one last thought on Cincy versus Charlotte though is Cincy may have had an off game we'll have to see how they bounce back and if they do maybe they are for real and just had an off game if not they're back to being Cincy but we'll see I for one would like to see Cincy not be a punching bag again this year just because I don't like beating up on one team too much unless it's the fire <laughs> <laughs> Love you, T.O. <laughs> Speaking of the Fire's rival, Sporting KC playing RSL at home at Children's Mercy Park this weekend. They got mostly healthy because Polito's out for the year and Kinda is coming back in a month or two, hopefully. Probably, maybe. We'll see. But uh, they get back Johnny Russell. They get back Roger Espinosa. They're basically healthy now. And they finally beat RSL at home after a long stint of not being able to beat RSL, period. They get a hard-fought 1-0 win. They were the better team for um, for the majority of the game. They got the three points. Melia came out, had a big game, made some big saves. RSL couldn't execute when they really needed to. 
Johnny freaking Russell back on the score sheet. Love to see it. Now it's just time for Daniel Shallowy to come back and actually get that scoring foot back. I want to see them push for MVP, you know, golden boot level status again. Maybe that'll be what we need. Um, <laughs> but it was a good game. Um, and by good game, I mean, I loved watching it outside of the announcers sounding, you know, like they weren't talking about the right game because there were multiple times in the game where they said one thing when it clearly was not that thing that happened. And then they walk it back a couple of times and say, oh, no, it was this. Oh, wait, no, it was this when it was clearly not either of those things they said. But that's fine. Yeah. And then. um <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the broadcasts for the like the Twitter sports uh, MLS games have been, let's say, lacking. <laughs> um, I didn't watch the uh, this uh, SKC game, but I did watch an LASC game earlier in the year um, in the season here. It hasn't been that <laughs> uh, in the season that was on Twitter sports. And I don't know if it was the same broadcast team, but it it was that one was also lacking <laughs> i mean it's it's they're doing their best and i appreciate them for for putting in the time and effort to call the game and nobody's perfect i mean heck look at us we mess up <laughs> half the time we mess up all the time at yeah. least me at least i mess up quite often i mean does anyone else remember that time i accidentally confused bastion Schweinsteiger for wayne rooney <laughs> that's a deep cut <laughs> Last week, I got Eunice Musa and Daryl DK confused. <laughs> See, it happens to everybody. So, I mean, this is in no way a knock on them. It was just a comment about the game. Everyone, everyone has bad days. Everyone makes mistakes. It happens, people. We move on. But yeah, Sporting KC came out. They got their game together. They looked a little bit more lively. They really pressed. They they pressed the issue more than they normally would. They got the goal, and. It was good. It was good. I think that's yeah. all I have to say on that one. Because yeah. I think uh, I, I think you're all tired of me talking about SKC at this point. <laughs> yeah, you, you catch some flack for talking about SKC. But honestly, I don't really want to hear it for this week. Because this is like, what? Like, you're, is this SKC's first win of the season? <laughs> no, it's our second. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, you finally got some good news. Uh, when you start dominating again, I think people will get sick of it. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum, though, people. I promise. <laughs> Unless something absolutely amazing happens, in which case I may just retract. I may. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, step away from the podcast for a week so I don't <laughs> burden you with my voice talking about the other team that has blue that's on the other side of the state. <laughs> Sean Campbell is on uh, on SKC sabbatical. <laughs> now, now, if if nah, we won't even get into that. <laughs> Moving along, giving your ears a rest. Um, we have one last game to talk about from MLS this week, and it was Orlando at Timbers. It looked fairly even in the first half. They had us in the first half. Not gonna lie. There really wasn't a lot to talk about. I mean, it was a back and forth kind of game. Portland had their, or, yeah, Portland had their chances. Orlando had their chances. It, it, it was what it was. But Orlando seemed to have a little bit more possession than Portland probably 
should have let them have because it came out into the second half and junior urso oh my goodness absolutely gorgeous first touch to settle it to himself and finishes it beautifully to put orlando up one nil and it was just i i thought i thought portland was going to lose in portland and it was it was going to be fun to watch and it you know then van rankin goes and gets himself into card trouble check that for the bingo card for that game <laughs> but even after going down a goal and down a man portland pressed and started playing better soccer i mean they almost should just start with only 10 guys on the field instead of a full 11 because they seem to play better that way maybe that's why van rankin gets all these cards anyway <laughs> they press they're going for an opportunity they end up getting a pk and that gets converted so now it's level and I'd say it was it was a level enough game that I, I'd say that's a fair assessment of the game is to have a 1-1 draw in that situation. Yeah. Uh, with that PK, I don't even want to say that Paredes buried it because it was, it was fairly softly hit and it was right at the keeper. It's just that the Orlando keeper completely misread it and dove like all the way out of goal to try to save it to, to uh, I think it was the near side. Um, and it just, it just rolls right by him. (laughs) I may be thinking of a different PK, but was that one up in the air and he got a hand on it or did it roll under him? No, it it was, it was center down and right on the ground and it just rolled right by him. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, that was just a a misplay on the keeper. He guessed right and got it wrong. He, uh, he lost, he lost the game of rock, paper, scissors on that one, but I'm not going to complain because I got Paredes on my fantasy team and he got me some points. (laughs) Boo. I had Chara. <laughs> I had Jimmy Chara and I also had uh Tuiloma, who I forgot or didn't know got called up for international duty. So I have one DNP. But I did have Moreno and they both had decent enough games and they double up this week, so that's fun. But uh but no, that's Going back to the PK, that's where the old adage comes. You strike it low and you strike it hard. Because even if they guess correctly and can get low, they either don't get low enough in time and it goes underneath of them, or they get a hand on it and it keeps going right by them because it's very hard to get all the way into that bottom corner and actually stop that ball. Yeah, I I, I don't necessarily want to call it a miss hit because he did score, but it was... It was a fairly slow roller, middle middle down on the on the turf. It was it did not look like a very good PK, but he scored. So <laughs> sometimes you just intentionally kind of scuff it. Yeah. But either way, not much to write home about out in this game outside of that PK and Orlando <laughs> looking to well, have turned things around. Yeah, I mean, you said that Van Rankin got into car trouble. Um, everyone got into car trouble in this game. Van Rankin was the only one to double up because yeah. there were so many cards in that second half. I, I think I think the ref spent a good like fifteen percent of that game in his pocket. Well, there are only what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cards in the second half. That's not that bad, right? You know, only three in stoppage, <laughs> or was it? Yeah, two? It, only, it was three in stoppage, and only two of them were on Orlando. But I mean, so <laughs> that's. I think we can expect to see a lot more yellow cards this year, especially with Pro cracking down on you know 
the tactical fouls in air quotes to stop the the breakout plays. But Van Rankin just something's got to change. Otherwise, he's going to be suspended every six to eight weeks. And it's just not it's not viable to have someone that's (laughs) that important to your back line and your strategy be out every six weeks because he's on card trouble. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I made a joke about it, but like, honestly, like, yeah, Van Rankin's playing like enforcer role. And it's like, man, you can't really do that in this game. (laughs) This ain't hockey. Exactly. (laughs) And with that, I think that's about all I've got for MLS. What about you, Mason? Yeah, that's about it. I mean, three games. We talked about them. (laughs) All righty. Well, moving right along, let's move on to the the World Cup qualifying games in this window, because if I have nothing else to say, it's what a window it's been so far, and it's very exciting. That is for sure. First on the docket, we've got the USA-Mexico game in Azteca, and I know a lot of us were real worried going into it because it's it's Azteca, but after seeing... after seeing some of the... some of the videos pre-game and around and and looking at the the seats in the stadium it it almost seems as if mexico has lost its fan edge a little bit um yeah they had police shepherding the u.s fans into the stadium but there weren't bottles of suspect liquids being thrown around there weren't you know aggressive chants being thrown around it as as much it seems like it's less of a terror to go in there and actually now it's like, okay, we can comfortably go in and get a point. And that's what we did. I don't want to speculate on anything. I just want to ask if you have seen anything because I hadn't. Do you think, like, was there anything in place after what happened in Karataro? From what I understand... I haven't seen anything as far as actual sanctions put on the national team, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were things said in the media that basically said, hey, calm it down or else you're going to get in trouble too. But that could just be pure speculation. It could also be the fact that, you know, the gridlock in an attempt to keep the bus from getting to the to the stadium minimized fan involvement pregame. So... It could be a bunch of factors leading into it, but it didn't seem like, you know, leading up to actual kickoff that it was as hostile. Granted, it's still hostile because it's still Azteca and it's still playing in a, in Mexico. Yeah, and, and it's, it's still it's still U.S. versus Mexico. <laughs> yeah, but the buildup from the U.S. side was clearly the message was clear. We're going in there fully expecting that we can win this game. And you can tell just by the way the guys played. They came out. They gave absolutely maximum effort. We saw at least three absolutely beautiful chances that just weren't finished properly or mishit. And that game easily could have been a win and gotten three points for us in the end of it. But still getting a point out of Azteca is always a good thing. Never a bad thing, at least at this point in time. Um, The number nine spot was typical. It was, hey, here's some here's some service finally, but the finish didn't happen. Um, Mexico had some chances too. 
And, uh, I mean, up until about the last 15, 20 minutes, once we decided to switch formation into that 5-4-1, it really looked like the U.S. owned the game. And that's really hard to do in, in anywhere outside of the U.S. Um, but the U.S. really was on the front foot. They gave maximum effort at altitude. And you really saw it, especially when we have... Uh, What's his name again? Is it Jesus Reina or is it Geo Christ? <laughs> yeah, I think you got it. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about this too. Um, it didn't come of anything but absolute heroics from Geo Reina taking the ball and running it all the way up through through midfield into into the attacking half. On his own, shedding, like, what, like, five Mexico defenders? Incredible stuff. Absolute heroics. Oh, yeah. You love to see that kind of thing, um, especially from someone who's coming back from an injury who hasn't... He hasn't been in a World Cup qualifier since, what, October, I think it was. You know, he hasn't been on the national team stage for several months now, but he comes back, puts on a show like that. He made five guys miss the tackle and ended up dribbling through, I think, a total of, like, eight of them, a couple of guys he dribbled through twice, but still absolutely heroic run. You love to see guys being able to actually take the game to Mexico and dribble at them and just absolutely put their shorts on the ground with, with the techers there. I, I can't wait to see more of it from Reyna. Um, it's, it's a flash of brilliance that I hope continues. And who knows, maybe even as soon as next time we play in Mexico, we might be pushing for more than just a point and getting a point might be just like, okay, that's bare minimum now. Um, yeah, but I wanted to talk. That about might be this. going too far ahead. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I wanted to talk about this. Cause like the vibe that I got after, after this result, which was a nil, nil draw, I realized we just didn't, we never have actually said the result <laughs> um, was both that that was a hard fought draw to get a point out of Azteca and also that we easily left two points on the table. And I felt these things at the same time. So, and I think a, lar a large part of that is that we had so many chances we didn't finish, but also played our butts off on defense. What did you oh, think? Because yeah. that was my vibe, was that both we were lucky to get a point and we should have gotten three. Oh, yeah. I have the exact same feelings there. Um Missed opportunities that easily you hit that just a little bit differently. It goes goes in the back of the net, changes the entire dynamic of the game. Um, when Mexico had chances, we limited it to a very specific type that uh, we were e more easily able to deal with at keeper. And we were stout, I'd say. The wing backs were very good. And once it got to a point where it's like, okay, the amount of... The, the amount of time we've played and effort we've put into this game at this elevation, we need to put some fresh legs on, change tactics a little bit. They're getting tired too. It's time to run the low block. And that was, that was my biggest, I guess, not gripe, but question about the game was once we hit that, that five, four, one formation, instead of the normal uh, four, three, three that we run, it seemed like Mexico got a lot more chances. They, really skewed the possession in their favor in those last 20 minutes um, as shown on the stat sheet, but they got a lot more chances. They looked more dangerous. And part of that I think is 
part of that is us not pressing the game and taking it to them, playing on the back foot, but we handled it in their house. And as I think that might be a better strategy to to deploy when we're up a goal or two, but not necessarily when we're fighting for a draw, because we seemed much better in the attack and on the counter when we were in the original formation. Um, but either way, all around great effort from the guys love to see it mm-hmm. and can't wait for more efforts like that to come. Yeah. I think a, a running storyline through qualifying has been the, our improvements on, um, on offense on um, we've got, we've consistently gotten better on the attack. I feel like our defense has always been strong. And a lot of the points that we got early in qualifying was because of our, our our defense bending but not breaking. And now that's turning to where we are strong on attack. We push, we pressure. And if something slips through, then our defense is still stout. And speaking of which, we played Panama. <laughs> oh, this Panama game. I don't know if y'all, if if you lovely listeners can hear or not, but uh, I'm still recovering from watching this game. Um, not because I was angry, but because it was just absolutely wonderful to watch. <laughs> Joyous. <laughs> um, oh, yes, very much so. Um, going into this game, they made a couple of lineup changes uh, because we had some guys get their last yellow card and they had to be suspended for accumulation. Um, so we ended up starting Shaq Moore. De La Torre and Areola instead um, from back to middle to front. And then Ferreira, Ferreira got the start at number nine and uh, away we go into this game. So it started as a bit of a back and forth. Um, and it was, you know, there was a chance at one end and a chance at another, but nothing really super serious until we get the crack that broke the dam. And there was, there was a clear and obvious PK. Um, it was a corner kick originally for the U.S. after a deflected Ferreira chance. And uh, ball comes in, Zimmer- goes om- right to where Zimmerman's at. He goes, He's attempted to go up for it, and Godoy, his Nashville SC teammate, decides, oh, I'm going to keep you from doing that. Gets his hands up, all up on Zimmerman's neck. Basically throws him to the ground. No call at the time. Play continues. Goes back the other way. There's a stoppage. And Zimmerman picks up the ball and walks right over to the referee. And he, he's not putting that ball over for the throw-in at all. Smart veteran move from Zimmerman to make the stoppage go long so that VAR can take a look at it. VAR says, hey, go check it. Goes and looks at it. Calls it back. Points to the spot. And this is where the real intelligence comes. Because they put Ferreira on the ball at the spot. Thinking and, and I remember thinking, why is why is Jesus taking this one? Put Pulisic on the ball, and then you realize, oh wait, they're putting Ferreira there to take all the heckling from the Panamanians and all of the psych out gameplay that they're trying to do. Then the ref shoes everyone away, and then Ferreira tosses the ball to Pulisic and he sets it down and clinical strike makes the goalie go the wrong way, back of the net. 1-0 U.S., and the nerves start to settle a little bit, but you're still not quite right. But either way, that was just an absolute, beautifully planned play. 
where you put someone else on the spot and hand it off to the guy that's actually going to take it so he doesn't have to deal with all that. I I just, I have to give props where props are due on that. That was just very, it's almost like Greg's out here playing 3D chess and the rest of CONCACAF is playing checkers at this point. <laughs> but then the U.S. takes that. They end up running out to a 4-0 lead at halftime. Uh, Pulisic gets another another PK. They do the exact same thing. They put Ferreira on the ball. He gets the heckling, hands it to Pulisic, who sets it down and is already dialed in. Um, keeper guesses the right way, gets a hand on it, but it still goes. It's still powerful enough that it goes right, blasts right through it, goes in the back of the net. That's two for two for Pulisic. Uh, Ferreira got an absolutely gorgeous finish as well. Uh, it was just, honestly, I think that was the best half of U.S. men's national team soccer I've ever seen in my entire life. And the yeah. only two words I have to describe it were domination station, population, USMNT. Yeah. Well, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Paul Areola scored that half, too. The uh, The man who has for so long been danger adjacent is finally danger himself. You know, it's it's almost like it's I almost said like he's good or about something. That. <laughs> it's almost like I said something about that last time we talked about when we talked about the rosters. It's almost like yeah. I said, you know, Pepe and you know Ferreira and Ariola playing in Dallas might have some sort of connection they can bring to USMNT. Oh wait, I did, <laughs> I did because they connected on both oh. those goals, and the Dallas men are continuing to dominate the U.S. scene. And I love to see it. I just hope it translates to their team this year and they can continue to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, when all I things was considered when I was looking for uh, when I was looking for info on that that uh, that U17 Academy game, I was looking on the FC Dallas Twitter account and they changed their name to FC Dallas open parentheses, FC USMNT, close parentheses. <laughs> oh, so it's similar to, um, oh, who were we playing that game? Was it, I can't remember, but it was in a World Cup. I want to say it was the World Cup in South Africa. And Tim Howard put on an absolute stonewall performance. And Wikipedia, someone went on Wikipedia and changed his title to Secretary of Defense. <laughs> That's the level of amazing that, that, you know, FC Dallas's academy team and te first team are putting on with this USMNT production that they're getting out of them. It's just, it's fruitful and I love to see it. But again, yeah. amazing half, always on the front foot. They never said, all right, two goals is good. We can protect this. They went out, they put their foot on the gas and put that pedal through the floor, mm -hmm. kicked on the turbo. And hit the NOS right there at the end and just said, we're, we're gunning for this. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say was that was, that half was pedal to the metal. It's the only way you can describe it, honestly. Yeah. And now that we know they're capable of it, let's see what they can do um, when they hopefully qualify for the, the official World Cup. Um, but barring anything super crazy happening absolute worst case scenario even if the crazy does happen is we have a one game playoff with New Zealand yeah let's not get, get <laughs> not get too far ahead of ourselves there but yes but anyway 
at halftime, they make a couple of subs. They end up subbing in Acosta and... They sub in Acosta and Reyna. Yes, that's I, I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Eunice Musa comes off for Acosta. Paul Ariola goes off for Reyna. And Musa Moose, Moose had an absolutely great half, but he put in some long hours and needed a rest after playing that game in Mexico. Um, and Paul Ariola did his job. Gio needs the minutes, and he, I think his club is using this as a bit bit of another way to get him back in form and actually playing minutes. Um, yeah, which and is good. <laughs> we've ar- we already talked about the uh, the absolute show that he put on the <laughs> the, the one man run. Oh yeah, so he he did that against Mexico, and then he came in to this game and didn't have a heroic run like that. But he still put in a lot of great work. He was running, he was checking back, he was making connecting plays. Gio Reyna is is here, and I'm about it. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch him get a long string of games together and see what he can really do. I mean, it doesn't hurt when you know you have two two national team players as your parents when you've got Claudio Reyna as your dad and Danielle Egan as your mother. Like, that's just U.S. men's national team written all over it or women's national team if he was, if he was you know, their daughter. That's just, it. it's pipeline. It is what it is. And you love to see it and you expect greatness from him and he's showing it to us en masse at this point. Love to see it. Um, But I think... I, I mean, the second half, they shut it down and they played a very good shutdown game up until the end. Uh, they let one go late in the game, but I mean, you, you're you going to have faults. You can't clean sheet all of them. Uh, but I think we'd be very remiss if we didn't mention that Cap got his hat and an absolute... In the words of the British broadcasters, magisterial fashion. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, he got those two uh, those two PKs that he converted, and then he gets then he gets one in the run of play and absolutely buries buries the lead on it. It it's uh yeah, it's over. The game's over. <laughs> oh no no no! It's not just that he got the hat trick. It's not that just he buried the chance. It's how he did it. Cross comes in from the far side on the left. It comes in. He taps it down. And the first touch, he self-megs, runs around, turns as as he's running. He makes a turn to get around the Panamanian defender. And then taps it at his second touch on the ball, megs the defender, and then just, and then buries it. Yeah, I believe the technical it, <laughs> term for something for techers of that level is um, filthy McNasty. <laughs> I, I just, I, yeah, that's there, the. Uh... <laughs> there are no words. There are no words. If you have not seen this goal, you need to. It will change your life. I one hundred percent. I I say that with one hundred percent certainty. It will change your life. The the academic term for this is disgusting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like we've talked down a little bit on Pulisic, but come come on, come on, he's a fantastic player. We all know it, and these are these are the moments that that prove it, right? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's moments like these where he can, like I said, uh, you know, previously, he can get to be playing in his position, check back every once in a while instead of trying to play everyone's position for them. He can focus on playing his game and then actually get to do these amazing feats of soccer skill and show us why he is the golden boy at this point in time, why he why he wore the captain's armband for that game and why he is the man in the mirror leading this team through qualifying and why he deserves to be here. Because yeah. up until this point, there have been plenty of games where he's tried to do too much and ended up getting nudged off the ball by muscled off the ball by multiple players at the same exact at the same time. And then things happen the other way. But when he can focus on his position and now that everyone's come together, it's, it's magical to watch. Yeah. And these are the goals of the plays we get from that. Yeah. This goal was really, he, he walked into the ball or he walked into the box and then just FIFA skill sticked (laughs) like half the Panamanian defense and buries it. <laughs> I believe I believe it it I mean we could go on for days about this goal. Honestly, we we really could. It's it's arguably the best goal I've ever one of the best goals I've ever seen. But there there is other things to talk about. Um we got a couple of subs in late in this game again just to get guys some rest get other guys playing time because they haven't played in a while or they just have been benching it for the last week or so um which is good to see and we get everybody back the only person i think that's in in danger of getting a suspension which doesn't matter at this point um all we have to worry about is someone getting two cards in a game or a straight red but we've got a full complement of players, and I think the guys that were on yellows were probably that were on accumulation probably needed a, a game of rest guaranteed. But I, I forgive me for sounding hopeful, but let's let's go in and talk about this game at Costa Rica. Yeah. Um and with the game in Costa Rica, well, I we don't have to walk in there and need a point. That's that's absolutely for true. Um, but things would have to go disastrously wrong. But also we thought that the last qualifying cycle. (laughs) Yeah, we've been here before. Um, we've been to this place where it's like, it has to go disastrous for us to not get it. But I think the amount of disastrous that would have to happen in this level is almost armageddon level disastrous as opposed to just like a normal natural disaster that is still terrifying and horrible but it's more like nuclear fallout will have to happen immediately because we have to lose what is it six to nothing to costa rica to have to play in that in in that qualifying game instead of just getting automatically in yeah because we are we're still tied with Mexico on points, but we are leading on score differential uh, plus 13 for us versus plus seven for Mexico. And then Costa Rica is at 22 points with plus three. This would have to be absolute world ending level disastrous for us to not qualify. But I'm still cautious because 
as a sports fan, I've, I've seen worse things happen. I've seen teams give up seven goal leads in hockey in less than a period and then lose the game. It can yeah. happen. So one thing I'm looking at this table mathematically we at least have that play in game we cannot not qualify we at the very worst will make will hit that fourth seed and have that play in game against new zealand and i believe that's why they brought out the quote unquote qualified banner at the end of the game when they were saluting the crowds yeah because there's there's no way we don't make the play-in game, which at this point is effectively like the two sixteen seeds playing to get into the 64 in March Madness. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> talk about this all you want. I don't necessarily know if uh, World Cup quali- qualification needs a wild card game, but... <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's the wild card game. That's basically the wild card game. We don't want to play the wild card game, unless of no. course you go the, Car- the St. Louis Cardinals route, in which case playing the wild card game can sometimes win you an entire world series. <laughs> okay, that's I think that's a little bit of a stretch of speculation. <laughs> hey uh, man, I love making the connections to the to the local teams yeah. <laughs> when we can. Keep, well, and it has it, it has been 11 years since 2011. <laughs> mm. And guess who's back? Pujols <laughs> yeah. is back, baby. That's right, yeah. fans. In case you haven't heard, Pujols is back in St. Louis. We're getting the band back together. One final run with Wayno uh, and Yachty. But anyway, we're as much as I'd like to, we're not talking about baseball here. We're talking about soccer. That's that's and, for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, mathematically, we are in that play-in game. So even if it does go disastrously wrong, we have another shot. And quite frankly, I don't think it could go so bad that we even need that shot. It would have to go really bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and looking at some of a uh, couple of the discords and reddits that I sometimes visit. Um, the general consensus here is we're not focusing on what could go wrong and how we end up in that playoff playing game like we were last cycle. Um, we're more focusing on what could go, depending on how you look at it, right or wrong, to put us in a different pot in selection for groups, which could in one way end up putting us in a group of death, or it could potentially, we're looking at where we're getting selected at this point. And I don't want to get a, I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves. This is very much a game we need to focus on. We have to go all out and put every last bit we have on the table more so than we did against Mexico. Um, because how awesome would it be to stamp, stamp this qualifying cycle with historic moment after historic moment after historic moment and get a point in qualifying in Costa Rica just to stick it to them. What if we won? <laughs> something that whoa, we've never whoa, done <laughs> hold your horses there mason hold your horses there now let's but not man, put what the if cart we did before the what horse. if we did <laughs> i mean i'm also thinking it too let's be real um but i mean i i see this game as it's it's gonna happen obviously but i i see it as winnable 
I see it as tieable for sure. Um, and honestly, even if we get the play-in game at this point, we're we're in there mathematically. It's gonna be anything less than a point is disappointment at this point. So looking at this next game, um, we can expect a full complement of strong players coming out starting the game, and I I fully expect them to come out and actually put the the pedal to the metal and try to go out and win this game like they did in Mexico. And if they do that, worst case scenario, we get a point, which still unheard of in Costa Rica, but it also until fairly recently was fairly difficult to do in Mexico as well in Azteca. So I I have no doubts that we can go in there and fight for a point while playing for a win, but not quite in the same way that we fought for a point and played for the win in Mexico. More of we're going in there attempting to win and end up with a point, and that's a great outcome. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is close run and we're we're down at the wire. Canada's in. We all thought that was coming. And us, Mexico, Costa Rica are in in some form. So it's now we're jockeying for second. We're jockeying for third. Because you don't want to be that fourth place spot. You don't want to, you don't want to play that wild card. You don't want to play the 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 one and done. Right, and I think that might give us some some pushback from Costa Rica, especially because they're currently in that fourth spot. But Mexico has a good chance to jump us, and I don't don't get upset if they do because they're playing El Salvador in Mexico at Azteca. I fully expect Mexico to win that game. 100%. Um, Canada, in other news, is playing Panama, but who, who cares about that game? Because it's a, a team that's guaranteed a spot and a team that's guaranteed not a spot. So, yeah. It's been <laughs> yeah, a that one's uh, <laughs> That one's decided already. Um, yeah. I think Canada plays backups for that. Yeah. I, why wouldn't you? <laughs> You're exactly. done. <laughs> exactly. I think we've kind of beat that horse to death a little bit, unless you've got any final thoughts, Mason. No, I said pretty much everything that I that I want to say. Um, aside from I don't really much care uh, as long as I would like to see us not get that fourth seed, not have to not, not have to do that bland game. But we basically did it. We got a lot closer than we did last cycle. <laughs> That's for sure. And. I believe one of the biggest reasons we've gotten so close and gotten to this point is none other than Burhalter himself. And I know that Burhalter's gotten quite a bit of criticism in the past and present and will in the future. But you have to ask the question, and I'm sorry, this is probably going to turn into a little bit of a rant, so if you want to be done here, now is your chance. If not, listen to my rant and then tell me I'm wrong in the email or on the Twitter. We might talk <laughs> about it next week. Who knows? It all depends on the result of tomorrow's game. Well, today's game, for those listening after it gets dropped on Wednesday, today's game against Costa Rica. But I think that Burhalter has, I think he's finally proven himself as a quality national team coach. No matter what criticism you give him, 
you you have to just just look at his resume just after taking control of the U.S. men's national team. He's already won the Gold Cup. He's already won the Nations League, which I get is a new competition, but two trophy wins over Mexico in the same year, absolutely monumental. His record as a head coach right now is 34-7-8. That's 34 wins, 7 draws, 8 losses. That puts him at a better winning percentage than both Bruce Arena and Jurgen Klinsmann, who most people argue were better coaches, but neither of them are averaging averaged over two goals for and one goal under one goal against per game. Granted, it's skewed a little bit because of the 5-1 trouncing of Panama, but still, Burhalter has come in with a group of players that are not necessarily unknowns, but young guys have not played together took them, turned them into a team that can go 34-7-8 and eight in two international competitions and a World Cup qualifying cycle. I think Greg's going to last for a little while. It, you know, potentially. He's on pace to, if he plays as many games, coaches as many games as Bruce and Jurgen have quite a bit more wins than either of them. I, and I think part of that comes, part of this mindset comes down to the fact that the American fan wants us to be number one, always best in the world. And they want us to be out there being England level world beaters. Like, and I get that, but we don't have a Harry Kane. We don't have the absolute wealth of English players that they have, but we have players that can play together. And Burhalter's brought them together, helped them grow and has really taken this team to the next level. And I'm excited to see what comes next. End rant. Mason, <laughs> do you have thoughts? Yeah, I mean, listeners know that I'm pretty new um, to following the sport this closely. I wasn't paying much attention during the last, uh, the last World Cup cycle. Um, I know that we didn't qualify because I saw that and then that was right around the time that like, you know, the women's, the women's national team was doing so well, performing outstandingly, performing way better than the men's ever had. And also getting paid a fraction of what the men do. <laughs> um, so I was paying attention to that, but I wasn't really following the actual play, the actual games. Um, but watching this, watching this cycle really closely, um, it, it the results kind of speak for themselves, you know, like, yeah, no, we aren't going to be like a Death Star, but um, we've we've all but punched our ticket to Cutter. And that's better than they did last the last time around. <laughs> um, And they like we keep getting wins, whether they're by the skin of our teeth or or big blowouts. We keep getting wins. We keep getting points. We only have two losses in this cycle. And always there's there's something to complain about. And it seems half the time to be arbitrary or made up almost. I there are obvious criticisms you can level, but 
a lot of it seems to be because they aren't performing as well as this team that is made up in the minds of the people making these criticisms. Remember, kids, don't do soccer Twitter. (laughs) You may have to go to soccer Twitter therapy, and you may go through withdrawals eventually. And by that, I mean after a day on soccer Twitter, seek a counselor. Going online is bad for your health. Don't do online. Unless you're going online to listen to our podcast, because we love having you listen, and we love having you here. And as far as I'm concerned, that's all I have to say. Mason, do you have any last-minute thoughts about anything we've talked about, anything we haven't talked about? That's all I've got. I want to thank everyone for listening uh, while we have been helming the show in Mike's absence. We're hoping very much to have him back with us and uh, leading the ship again soon. So thanks for bearing with us, folks. And remember, if you have any comments, questions, criticisms, please let us know at the at the Twitter account, Soccer Capital, the email, SoccerCapital at Gmail, however you want to find us. But for now, I'd just like to say that for myself, your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean, and for producer Mason, and of course, for our fearless leader, Mike, thanks for listening. We are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Bye for now.